Greetings, everyone. It is now time for Marked Safe. Tales of your very favorite and most beloved disasters. On Mark Safe, we discuss events and details that some may find disturbing. Listener discretion is advised. Please listen responsibly and stay safe. And now, here with your hosts, Brianne and Melanie, this is Mark Safe. Have you been keeping up? With the Dallas Zoo drama at all. The what drama? The Dallas. I'm going to say no, but what do you, what? The Dallas Zoo. Something. Didn't they lose a leopard or something or was that somebody else? It it was them. It was them. Okay. Okay. So a monkey enclosure was like cut open. None of the monkeys (gasps) got out, right? By whom? I don't know. Then. Okay, that feels relevant. Then the leopard, someone cut open the enclosure. The leopards escaped. Leopard's back now. Well, thank God for that. Then a very critically endangered vulture was <gasps> fucking murdered. What by who? I don't know. What? And then I think like yesterday or this morning or last night, someone stole two monkeys. Okay. This what is all fuck? within like a week and a half. What? Yes. Somebody's pulling a heist at the zoo. I, I the fucking murdering of the vulture thing is is I mean, yeah, like that that's not funny, but what the fuck? In a week and a half at the same zoo and this morning. Okay. That cannot be a coincidence. It can't be. Some something's going on. Somebody's fucking around at the zoo. And it's like all these like is it internal? Is it there's so many theories and everyone's like, well, why not like look at the cameras and the security? They've up security and the shit's still happening. I mean, okay. What? Yes. It's fucking weird, okay. right? It's, it's me. You're the problem. <laughs> I'm the problem. <laughs> Hi, it's me. I'm the problem. It's me. <laughs> You're setting up for animal bracket uh, uh-huh. times two, the live version. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to bring them into my house and I'm going to live with them for a few months until we get to the next bracket. And then I'm going to live like every month. It's going to be like, or every week, it's going to be like leopard or monkey. And I'm going to really evaluate who's been better to live with and uh, go from there. (laughs) So yeah, here's my confession. And then I was looking and then I saw this either last night or this morning because those monkeys were taken in Dallas, but also... Here in Louisiana, someone broke in and stole 12 squirrel monkeys. Why? At one of our zoos. What do you do with 12 squirrel monkeys? I don't know. This is fucking insane. Is somebody trying to start their own zoo? (laughs) What if they are? Do you know that Johnny Cash song, One Part at a Time, or whatever it's called? Yeah. What what if that's what they're doing with the zoo? They're just (laughs) stealing like one or two little animals from every zoo, and then a new zoo is going to open, and we're not supposed to notice. (laughs) Speaking of zoos, my Aunt Carolyn and my Uncle Jim, they're in town. They're going on vacation on a cruise that leaves out of New Orleans. So we are actually uh, puppy sitting for them. So my house is like a zoo because uh, they have three dogs. I have a dog. We have cats and bunny and axolotl. So if you hear barking in the background, um, they have a little bit of separation anxiety right now and – but so Aunt I, Carolyn is not in the building. She is not in the building. Okay, well, there go my hopes for a cameo. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's worth a try. But she'll be back next week. Okay. So I'll she, take it. maybe we, I can swing her in here and she can I, I would, we would love that. tell us a dirty joke or something. Oh, does she have a lot of dirty jokes? She's my wild aunt. Ooh. I love okay. it. She's a Aunt Veda's younger sister. So oh. very fun. They're the best. All right. My extra moms. I love them so much. All right. I do too. We're not on Animal Bracket Part 2 Live Edition. We are on Smells, your favorite smells. My favorite smells. I love this bracket. I love this bracket too. I went through with uh I went through it with Cody and the kids the other day. It was really interesting to see what they picked. Minus like the weed and cigars. I totally skipped that because they wouldn't <laughs> understand. Yeah, we would have gotten to that week and I would have been like, Melanie, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> um so this week is Sharpie versus new plastic floaties. 
Oh, oh, I'm like clutching my chest right now. That is brutal. Are you kidding me? (laughs) (sighs) Okay, so I'm seeing now that a lot of these, it's going to be like, I love both smells, but which has more nostalgia. Right. It seemed like has kind of been a factor in possibly everyone so far. (laughs) Um, Shit. Pool floaties. I gotta go with pool floaties. I mean, I, God bless it. The best part of my childhood was going to the pool. Yes. That, that was it. Like that was peak existence for me. And, uh, you know, it's, it's like a running joke at this point between me and my mom. Cause you know, she was a very good mom, very gentle mom, very hands-on and involved in everything. But like the one thing she didn't give me that I always wanted is going to the pool seven days a week. <laughs> like I would very manipulatively at like eight or nine, I would get dressed in a bathing suit and grab a towel and grab everything and fucking blow up the floaties and be like, let's go in hopes that she would feel bad and take me. <laughs> See, Which, I, no. I was lucky because my parents were always drunk. I would just be like, you don't remember. Oh. You said we could. See, mine was not ever drunk, so I couldn't pull that off. I had to just pull the um, emotional heartstrings, which I think just made my mom feel guilty and me feel not at the pool. So that got me nowhere. But Lord, and you know, we, we, um, you know, all of everybody knows about the diving stuff. We kind of grew up around Olympic diving and stuff. So chlorine, like any kind of pool smell. Oh my God. That is, that is it for me. Do I love the smell of a Sharpie? Fuck yes. Doesn't really have any associations, though. Every, so. Everyone over here picked uh, new plastic floaties, too, because Cody well, made... good that your kids aren't involved in inhalants yet. <laughs> well, Cody made... Well, they, they know what Sharpies smell. I, we're, we're a creative family, so we have all that. They're very familiar with the smell. So, I don't know. Am I making mini huffers? I hope not. We covered this in the train derailment. <laughs> we'll be their friends when they were covered. <laughs> But Cody we're made, waiting here for him. Cody made a really good point. He said the Sharpie smells good at first, but if you keep on smelling it, it's going to like, it starts burning your nose. Like you okay, can just. Okay, so Cody's a recovered huffer then. He's, he he's, might he's be. He's taken this too far already. <laughs> but the, the floaties you can just keep on smelling, you know. Okay. I I have follow-up questions for Cody, but I will accept this reason. I didn't even think that he might have been a marker huffer. I mean, it seems like he really knows what happens when you lose control of your life with the Sharpies. Yeah. It, Down. He's, he, he sounds jaded and world-weary. <laughs> so, like I said, my aunt and uncle are here, so I have been spending every moment I can with them. This week's episode is going to be a little bit lighter because, um, you know, family just comes first sometimes. But it is fun. And I think you guys will like it. You ready? I am so ready. I You told me a few days ago that you were either doing this soon. I don't know. I mean, we have so many, ooh, I'm going to cover blank. And then we either do next week or three years later. Yep. There's no middle ground. <laughs> so you, you mentioned that you were going to do this. And I was like, oh, fuck yes. But then I don't know if I completely realized that it was actually happening this week. So I'm psyched. All right. So do you know the Muffin Man? Um, We've met. The Muffin Man? Yeah, the Muffin Man and I are, uh, we have a bit of a history. The one that lives on Drury Lane? Yeah, that's where I go see him. Really? Mm-hmm. Hmm. He's up to some shit over there. That's what I heard, too. I was, uh, <laughs> I was scro- I just talk shit <laughs> and wait for someone to question me and people don't. <laughs> it's Aquarius season. We're powerful. Yes, I, um, I was scrolling on TikTok, like, mindlessly like i do uh i don't know am i chronically online i don't want to be one of those people but i have been lately i guess and i came across this video and um it kind of sent me down a muffin man rabbit hole okay a muffin man rabbit hole so the account alleges that the nursery rhyme is actually about the first documented serial killer a, oh, shit. a man named Frederick Thomas Linwood. So Frederick would wait in alleyways, luring small children in with muffins so he could kidnap and murder them. Shut up. Right? That's what I was like. I was, oh, my God. I was hooked. Hooked. So like the lore of so many other nursery rhymes, the Muffin Man was created as a cautionary tale to keep children safe. This was so fucking wild to me. And since TikTok is kind of like the Wild West of information, I like immediately had to go to Snopes. 
I was I felt like I would have heard oh, this yeah. before. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um they it's still unproven on their website. Um, but they do lean heavily that it's fake. I think they're just since it's come out, like they're really doing their due diligence. So in the original viral TikTok video posted by Jack Williamson, he claimed that Frederick killed 15 children and seven rival pastry chefs. The original source appears to be from Encyclopedia, a parody version of Wikipedia. On the page, it says that between 1589 and 1598, Frederick, quote, would tie a muffin to a string. And as a child tried to get it, he would pull the string, eventually luring the child into his house giving him ample time to knock the child out with a wooden spoon. I hate to say it, but are kids this big of a dipshit? I feel like if somebody offered my kid a muffin on a string to lure her through a door, she'd be like, what the fuck is your game, sir? Listen, it's 2023. This is 1580. Yeah, we've got we've got savvy little kids these days. Mm-hmm. Damn. However, people often question whether these children actually died from being beaten with a said wooden spoon or if the Muffin Man would kill them in some other way. So from there, the whole thing becomes like absolutely unhinged. Frederick died at dinner. It started out unhinged. Oh, it gets it it's it gets even more wild. So oh Frederick God. apparently died at dinner time when he quote smashed a cockroach with his fork, only to hit his hand, causing him to scream and choke on a dumpling. What? Frederick's neighbor attempted to resuscitate him using leeches, but it was too what? late. <laughs> At no point in any of that did I have a fucking clue where it was going next. <laughs> what? Yeah. I, like, I feel like I want you to say that again. <laughs> you got it. There's every set. Okay, please repeat that. Like, slow mo. I heard. I was listening completely. I heard it. But I need a slow motion replay here because there is a lot to unpack in those couple of sentences. Okay, so Frederick died at dinner time when he smashed a cockroach with his fork only to hit his hand, causing him to scream and choke on a dumpling. Then Frederick's neighbor attempted to resuscitate him by using leeches, but it was too late. Uh, okay. First of all, <laughs> this is neither here nor there, but was he going to keep using that fork? Probably. I, feel like he was. Probably. I just feel like he was. Second of all, good sir, my brother in Christ, what were the leeches supposed to do for choking? That's what I want to know. I mean, I understand that leeches have historically had medicinal reasons. I get that. I mean, it's, you know, gross, but the shock value is what it is. I know that. Did he think maybe, did he like dangle them in his throat, hoping they would like latch on and suck the dumpling out? I mean, listen, that is kind of a genius. But I just, I feel like, no, I feel like we were not that savvy in the 1500s either. No. If you could just lure kids anywhere with a fucking muffin on a string, I don't think we were thinking at that level. (laughs) Okay, so my God. Yeah. My God. There's all right. There's other stuff in there about like an egg McMuffin incident, uh, which is clever. Like I don't know. Uh, um, and that Frederick has since risen from the dead to create a terrorist group of gingerbread men. Melanie. <laughs> I'm I'm telling you. People believe okay. some wild shit out there. I'm just here yeah. to uh regurgitate and set the facts straight all right so despite the ridiculous story about the muffin man it is widely believed that many children's songs and nursery rhymes do have sinister origin stories so this week i thought we would take a deep dive in just a couple of these tales that have been thought to have been created to keep kids mark safe i am very excited for this first up ring around the rosy Oh. <laughs> what do you mean, oh? Oh, I have at least a little bit of a clue what this one might be actually about. Yeah? What do you Isn't think? is it the plague? Okay. Let's dive into it. Okay. So, Ring Around the Rosie, A Pocket Full of Posies, Ashes, Ashes, We All Fall Down. This is one of the first nursery rhymes that I also remember having a dark origin story. Yeah. So, the story goes that Ring Around the Rosie was based on the Great Plague of London in 1665. Quote, the death rate began to rise during the hot summer months and peaked in September when 7,165 Londoners died in one week. 
In under two years, the plague killed off almost a quarter of London's population, mainly the middle and lower class communities, um, because those who had means, including the fucking doctors who could help, were like, fuck this, and just basically left the city. Nice. According to the lore, Ring Around the Rosie was a symptom of the plague where a round red rash would appear on the cheeks of those infected. Oh, I don't think I knew that part. I think I just knew about the pockets and the, the smell. Okay, mm-hmm. continue. Pocket full of hosies, <laughs> yep, were yep. a last-ditch effort to cover the smell of decomposing bodies in the city. Ashes, ashes was simply the act of cremating those who had passed from the plague in effort to keep the disease from spreading. Of course, depending on where you live, there are also other explanations for the lyrics. The common British version replaces ashes with a tissue, a tissue, we all fall down, which mimics a sneezing sound, yet another symptom of the plague. And then, you know, you die. So everyone's falling down. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for that unceremonious explanation. (laughs) And then you die. I'm getting my nursery rhymes mixed up. I'm, what was that? Um, there was an old lady who swallowed a fly. Yes. I love that one. I love that they're recreating the versions for holidays now. Have you seen those? No. Well, there's like an Easter one. We've got a Halloween one. It's, oh, no. I did not know so that. good. It's one of my favorite books. It is the only book I can recite without having to read it. It's a wow. fun fact. Melanie, fun fact. Special <laughs> talents. All your facts are fun. But not so fast. The first recorded mention that Ring Around the Rosie was about the plague didn't even appear until the release of the book The Plague and the Flyer by James Leeser in 1961. Oh, my God. Really? Mm-hmm. The link between the song and the plague has been widely debunked by historians. <gasps> wow. So what? what is it about? Um, well, let's get into it. So, okay. quote, the song in its modern form did not appear in print until 1881, some 200 or 500 years after its supposed origin, while the earliest recorded versions go back no earlier than the 1790s. If the plague theory is correct, this would mean that the song survived orally for nearly half a millennium before anyone bothered to write it down. So what the fuck's the song about? Um, That's impressive, though. That's really cool. mm -hmm. Dr. Philip Hiscock of the Department of Folklore at the Memorial University in Newfoundland said, the more likely explanation is to be found in the religious ban on dancing among many Protestants in the 19th century in Britain, as well as here in North America. Adolescents found a way around the dancing ban with what was called in the United States, the play party. Play. Uh, that means something different now. Yeah, it does. <laughs> Play parties consisted of ring games, which differed from square dances only in the name and their lack of musical accompaniment. They were hugely popular, and the younger children got into the act, too. Some modern nursery games, particularly those which involve rings of children, derive from these play party games. Little Sally Saucer or Sally Walters is one of them, and Ring Around the Rosie seems to be another. The rings referred to in the rhymes are literally the rings formed by the playing children. Ashes, ashes probably comes from something like husha, husha, another common variant, which refers to stopping the ring and falling silent. And the falling down refers to a jumble of bodies in the ring when they let go of each other and throw themselves in the circle. Okay, I did not expect that this was going to be debunking the debunking, and I love it. I know. I was like, oh, this is going to be such a good episode. We're going to get into the ooey-gooey of all of these things. and Right? I'm like, yeah, everybody kind of knows the backstory on that one, but we'll love to hear it from Melanie's perspective. Nope, whole different thing. <laughs> yeah, this whole episode just was a rabbit hole. I love rabbit holes. I know you do. I taught my kid about rabbit holes yesterday um, because she said that she got to – Google, apparently at school, she was allowed to Google anything she wanted in computer lab and print a picture of it. I assume they're teaching kids how to just print stuff. I don't really know. Um, 
And I was like, oh, what did you Google? And I, I think it was a picture of a kitten, which is unsurprising if you know Adelaide at all. Then she's like, but then like I saw something and I clicked that and then I saw something else and I clicked that. Oh, bless. And then the next thing I know, I was reading about babies born without noses and I was reading about a teenager who lived until they were a teenager and took a selfie and it was different with her. She didn't have any, she had like a hole where her nose should be, but then there was a toddler who just didn't have any nose and that one died in infancy. And I'm like, what? Was there what? no supervision in computer lab? I know. And she's like, that is not what I started out Googling. But I just read a bunch of stuff. And then I ended up reading all about something else. And I was like, Melanie and I call that a rabbit hole. Yep. <laughs> and then had to explain the concept of going down a rabbit hole. And she was like, oh, I do that a lot. <laughs> she's so cute. She's one of us. She is one of us. She's a little bitty ghoul. <laughs> so... Finding out that Ring Around the Rosie wasn't as macabre as I was led to believe is fucking disappointing. Um, I decided to deep dive into a nursery rhyme that was for sure to have some dark history. Okay. I was like, this this one has, has to, right? So how about London Bridge is falling down? It's right in the title. It's a bridge collapse. It's, it's gotta. <laughs> it's bridge collapse. It's on brand for our podcast. Absolutely. Okay. So there are actually several theories of the meaning of the song, including a Viking attack, a pair of fires, and even human sacrifices. Oh, shit, dude. Okay. Yeah. Bridges across the Thames have predated the city of London. A Norse saga tells of a battle in 1014, which leads to the destruction of one of these bridges. English King Athered, and I hope I'm saying that right. So English King Athelred the Unready lost his throne to the Danes in 1013. I love that name. The Unready. That's me. Brienne, just change my name. Brienne Please just change my name to that in our, our messenger conversation. <laughs> You've got my nickname is some weird shit right now. Just make it the Unready because okay. that's me. <laughs> I got it. So Athelred the Unready, um, he lost his throne to the Danes in 1013. But he wanted his shit back, so he enlisted the help of his ally, Norwegian Prince Olaf II. As Olaf's men sailed towards the bridge, they used roofs that they had pulled from nearby homes to shield their heads from an onslaught of spears thrown by the Danes that lined the bridge. Their defenses allowed them to get close enough to the bridge to tie ropes around the piers. Rowing hard, the men pulled at the cables, destabilizing the bridge and pulling it down. Samuel Lang translated the Norse saga titled, oh, here we go, Heimskringla, something like that. Uh, and I think you did, you did as well as any Heims, of us could have with that one. Heimskringla in 1844. It included a verse by poet Otar Savarti. It's very lengthy, but in part, one of the verses reads, London Bridge is broken down, gold is won, and bright renown. Shields resounding, war, swords, war horns sounding, hailed is shouting in the din, arrows singing, mail coats ringing, Odin makes our Olaf win. So, it's there's a London Bridge breaking in there. Yeah. Seems like a compelling origin story for the nursery rhyme, but historians are not sold. Quote, Modern translations make it clear that Lang was using the nursery rhyme as a model for his very free translation, and the reference to London Bridge does not appear at the start of the verse, and it is unlikely that this is an earlier version of the nursery rhyme. Another theory is that the nursery rhyme was inspired by a set of fires. The London Bridge has had a grip of fires in its lifetime, but there have been two linked to this nursery rhyme. I'd love to maybe cover this in like a future episode so i don't want to do a total deep dive so we're just gonna kind of briefly go over it okay the first fire thought to be part of this nursery rhymes origin story happened in 1633 an accidental fire spread along the bank of the thames river severely damaging the bridge and 42 buildings then in 1666 when London was still in the throes of the Great Plague, and while citizens were definitely not stuffing their pockets full of posies, another massive fire. Just after midnight on September 2nd, 1666, a fire broke out in a bakery on Pudding Lane and would sweep... Pudding Lane? And sweep across the city. Isn't that cute? Pudding Lane. Okay, we have a... 
uh, you know what? I took a picture. I took a screenshot of this yesterday because I was going to send it to you. And I was driving and I was thinking, I'm going to start sending Melanie the ridiculous Midwestern street names that we have here. Um, because I drive a lot. And I'm always like, Jesus Christ. Yesterday, I turned left onto Turkey Foot Road. <laughs> And we have a cornbread road in Muncie. I don't know if it's road or street or what, but we've got a cornbread something in Muncie. Pudding. Okay, continue. I love that. We need... uh, They should all be food. Or just ridiculous stuff. Yeah. I wonder if the Muffin Man... No, he lived on Drury Lane. I was like, it'd be so much cuter if he was on... (gasps) The Muffin Man Pudding Road. Damn, I want to move to Pudding Road or whatever fucking Pudding Lane. Lane, yeah, that's even better. The Great Fire of London would consume some of the London Bridge, but despite considerable damage, it wasn't completely ruined. Despite its poor track record with fires, the old London Bridge, which was built in 1209, lasted 622 years and technically never fell down leaving some historians convinced that these fires did not inspire the nursery rhyme. The third and most unsettling of the theories is that of immurement and human sacrifice. Immurement is essentially where a person is bricked up or sealed in a very small space and basically left to die. So they're like just standing there in a small, there's like no food, nothing. They're just there. Oh my God. Crazy, right? That's upsetting. Yes. yes. Quote, this torture was based on the belief that structures like buildings and bridges would be more sturdy and stable if a person was entombed in the foundations. Shut the fuck up. I'm not shutting the fuck up. It wasn't like necessarily punishment for the person. They were just a fucking brick in the building. Uh, sometimes. Yeah. There, there are cases where, yeah, it's just. Oh, my God. What? Whoa. (laughs) Right? That's dark. It's super dark. The human sacrifice would serve as a, quote, eternal watchman. Mm. So you're basically just like. They're not going to watch your fucking building after you do that, though. They're essentially just trying to make a ghost, you know? Yes, exactly. But they think that ghost is going to do their bidding. Let me tell you, if you brick my ass into a building, you think I'm going to help you from beyond the grave? Oh, no. Oh, no, there's going to be a burglar that's going to come or something. And I'm going to be ghosting around and you're like, look, all the good shit's in there. They bricked me into this building. Like that. That's a back. That's going to backfire. Brian, I just had a fucking wild notion. Hear me. Hear me out on this. Okay. I kind of the queen of wild notions. Okay. So I feel like you just talked me into like this idea. You totally did. Okay. Are you going to brick someone into a building? Because I've got some people we can start with. I have a, a conspiracy theory. Okay. Oh, hell yeah, you do. Okay. So you'd be pissed if someone did that. You'd be a ghost. You'd be mad. You're uh, not yeah, protecting shit. Mildly. No, fuck that. I'll do the opposite of protect shit. Someone's going to need to protect that building from me. What if Mothman? <gasps> oh. Was a victim well, of mirament. You just came up with a disaster cryptid conspiracy theory crossover. And I it couldn't be much more on brand. I think that's what it is. Because everyone's like, oh, he was trying to warn people. I don't think he was. What if? Let's get him on the show. Find out. Anyone has connections to Mothman, let us know. What? I love how you just said Mothmen. Like, there are multiple Mothmen. <laughs> there are. And we'll take any of them. From now on, anyone that was, like, a victim of mirament, they're just all Mothmen, women, and children. Well, you know what? Any of you, we'd love to have you on the show. Yes. Let us know. Drop an email. <laughs> if you can. If not, I don't know. You're going to have to get creative. Mothman figure shit out. Yeah. We don't need to tell Mothman how to communicate. So several folklorists, including Alice Gom, who wrote the traditional games of England, Scotland, Ireland, and married couple Iona and Peter Opie, which I think is the cutest couple name ever. It um, absolutely is. They were world famous authorities on children's lore. They actually leaned into the theory that the nursery rhyme was, in fact, based on burying people, kids really? alive in the foundation. Yeah. Okay. So this is a stupid request. But now that we, we have this immurement, you know, slash Mothman also theory, can we can you read us the nursery rhyme one more time? 
Yeah. It's like, now I need to hear it in this context. Okay. Let me- now that we've got this whole theory, I need, to, I need to hear it again. Okay. Hold on. Let me pull it up. If that's not too much trouble. That's not. Okay. London Bridge is falling down, falling down, falling down. London Bridge is falling down, my fair lady. Build it up with iron bars. Do I have to do iron bars, iron bars? <laughs> I mean, you can. Okay. Um, Add your creative flair as you wish. No. Iron bars will bend and break, bend and break, bend and break. Iron bars will bend and break, my fair lady. Um, this goes on and on. Hold on. Gold, silver. I mean, if you feel like we've got the gist of it, that's okay. No, because it's... Okay, so here's the thing. There are several different versions of this. There's also a version um, where I'm trying to find the one where it, you know what? I probably, because you know, there's a part where it says, take the key and lock her up. Kind of. I don't actually know that one that well. Lock her up. Yeah. So there's like so many different versions of the song. So five of the nine versions that pu- that was published by Alice Gome in 1894 included references to a prisoner. Oh, shit. So, you know, nursery rhymes, they change, they change, they change. Yeah. Alice also believes that the lyric, take the key and lock her up, is a nod to a mirament, which brings us to... It's about Hillary Clinton. Huh? It's about Hillary Clinton. <laughs> <laughs> but her Mama. emails... Her emails. Her emails. Yeah. <laughs> London Bridge was about her emails. I, you want to talk about a conspiracy theory? I'm on to something now. <laughs> She's the fair lady, Brianne. Uh-huh. She is the Listen, fair lady. Listen, you're not the only one who can cook up new conspiracy theories. You've got Mothman. I've got Hillary Clinton. <laughs> Fucking love it. <laughs> so if we're going on the mirrorment theory, the most likely person is a member of the Lee family of Stonely Park. And listen, because... There's some family relations here. There's a whole ass Jane Austen murder mystery rabbit hole if anyone's interested in going down. But it doesn't directly relate to the London Bridge. But it's it's all kind of linked up together. I got to stay on track. Quote, descendants of the Lee family themselves have not only reported that bodies can be found within the foundations of a bridge within their estate in Warwickshire, but one of their own family members was entombed under the London Bridge as an alleged human immersion sacrifice. Oh. So, like, family, like, you know, they're passing down these stories, generations, generations, generations. Like, this family believes one of their ancestors was under the London Bridge. Wow. So, is there any evidence of bodies entombed with the London Bridge, it really depends on who you ask. Do you know where the London Bridge is? I'm gonna guess London, but hell no. It's actually in Lake Havasu, Arizona. What? You know this? Shut I'm not pulling your leg. Yeah, I see. I was about to say, you're pulling my leg somehow. I'm not saying anything else because I don't trust you anymore after the lightning strike episode. <laughs> oh man, I fucked that one up, huh? <laughs> It really is in Lake Havasu, Arizona. So it was purchased by an entrepreneur, Robert McCullough. Is this like that George Strait song? What? That, if you'll buy that, uh, oceanfront property in Arizona, if you'll buy that, I'll throw the Golden Gate in free. Probably. Okay. Yeah. Now we've got George Strait and the conspiracy theory. (laughs) I fucking love this episode. (laughs) It's all entangled. Maybe Hillary Clinton, Mothman, um, fucking George Strait. Listen, <laughs> Mark Safe, a disaster podcast. We're in it now. We're in it. We're in it. Gosh, it's fun to have like fun conspiracies for once, right? <laughs> yes. Actually, I don't know how fun they are. I mean, they're they're probably not fun for everyone involved, right? So, the London Bridge was purchased by entrepreneur Robert McCulloch for two point five million dollars through an auction in 1967 and he had it dismantled and then shipped to Lake Havasu. It's so funny that you can just auction off a fucking bridge. Yes, it is. Quote, the bridge was rebuilt exactly as it was in London down to the brick. 
Almost everything on the bridge is original, including the bricks, streetlights, and the railings. Engineers added tunnels for maintenance and joints to allow the bridge to expand and contract with temperature changes. I mean, that is a big jump in temperature. London, Arizona. Some ghost tours would leave you to believe that during dismantling, quote, multiple sets of human remains, including children, were found under the bridge. But I literally could not find anything to substantiate that other than, like, ghost tour stuff. There was... If you put a flashlight under your chin, it's true. It's true. It's true. There was... I mean, not that I want that to be the case, but, you know. BBC did report that um, in London, um, while they were, like, doing some digging and stuff around London, like, old London Bridge, whatever, they're, like, starting this, I don't know, this project over there. I'll have to look it up. That they found a bunch of human remains. BBC reported that, but then I found a lot of articles where they were saying that could be a prank for the guys that opened, like, this weird exhibit with skulls and stuff. Interesting. So I... By the way, I feel like you and I need to start workshopping some post-mortem pranks because I keep reading about, like, you know, the whole... At my funeral, put a salsa bowl in my hands, make everybody eat chips and dip from the coffin. Um, Somebody had some kind of... um, I'm watching you cry harder banner flown like with an airplane, I think over their funeral. Oh my gosh. I love that. Uh, Somebody was, it It was an older lady and this may have been in horrible ghouls and she had passed out in advance or I don't know, scheduled or something like cards. And it had a little Ouija board inside and it said, let's keep in touch to be passed out at her funeral. That's so cool. Like a funeral invitation. That's a Ouija board. Yes, and I just feel like we need to be thinking about our post-death mischief. We should start on this. Not that I'm planning to die anytime soon, but you never know what could happen. I think we need to put some thought into this. I got into some post-death mischief with my brother the other day. Ooh, do you want to tell? Yeah. Um, well, by the way, that that's to wrap up the, the Nursery of Rhyme episode. Oh, thank you. Sorry, I'm just cutting you off <laughs> no, and changing it's, the subject. it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, my, it was coming up on my brother's birthday, and um, I actually have my brother's ashes, um, and I, his children, you know, they wanted, with his birthday coming up, they, want, they wanted them. So I was like, okay, well, I will get them sent. I didn't think it would be like that hard. I did like a quick Google search and I'm like, it has to have like a special label or something. That's not the case. It's not the case. Um, so I just bring my brother in with Josie and Squonk to the post office and I'm, I have them boxed up with like, I got, um, my niece and nephew, like some journals, like if they want to like write some things down. Cause I'm like, you know, Aww. that helps me out too. And, you know, yeah. just a couple of his things that I had, like, on my person that I thought they would like, like, you know, a couple watches and some pictures, stuff like that. Anyways, I box it all up together. No big deal. Let's ship him off with his stuff to Kentucky. <laughs> okay. Let's go. And apparently there's a whole kit you have to go through to do cremains. Mind you, I called the funeral home and asked them to help me with this. And they were like, just put them in a Ziploc baggie. Okay. They did that. They, I was like. No, I don't want to do all that. That's weird. Um, We'll just keep them as is. So apparently there's a whole special box you have to put them in. And I was like, well, I guess I have to go to the car. It was a mess. I had to like re-unpack my brother like in the middle of a parking lot. (gasps) Oh, did okay. This is a weird question, but we've had some cremains getting shuffled around this week as well. Um, did you send all of him or part of him? So I took out just a small bit for myself and for my okay. sister, and then the majority went to his church, his children. Fair so um, that way I could, you know, take them to Arkansas and stuff like that. I want to yeah. put him with mom as well. And, um, but yeah, it was just like... Th- the wind was blowing and I'm like, I have a baby. I have Josie. I'm in the parking lot trying to pack my brother up into a different box. <laughs> the wind's blowing bubble wrap everywhere. Oh, no. So I'm running around. Oh, no. I'm like, Josie, hold Uncle Jacob, not realizing like, I don't even know what the fuck I'm talking about. So I can get bubble wrap, finally get it done. And we go into the post office and 
you know, to mail everything off. It's all separated. It's all packed off. And Josie just is like, bye, Uncle Jacob. And there's like a huge line of people. And at this point, oh like there's bright orange stickers all over it that say cremains inside. It was just, <gasps> I, I know he set me up okay. for that experience. Did I, listen, did I ever tell you my cremain story? No. Oh my God. That, Melanie, that, you're going to remember that forever. Oh, yes, I will. Let me, yes, you will. Let me tell you a little story real quick. This is unrelated to anything other than your cremains, but I feel like some of our listeners might appreciate this. So my grandparents, uh, my granny, who just died in November, and her husband, they met in 97. They were both in their 50s and uh, met on like a radio dating service type deal. And That's cool. The, it is cool. Um, they got married really, really fast, like from the time they met to the time they were married, like three months. And uh, my mom and I lived in Indiana. My grandparents lived in Michigan um, and I was nine. So uh, my grandfather, who we will call Jim, that's his name. I just feel like uh, for the story, calling him Gramps or something would be confusing. Anyway, first time that we ended up meeting Jim was um the day of their wedding oh wow <laughs> because they yeah they got married so fast and you know mom was a single mom and everything so we can't just bop back and forth to uh michigan every day of the week so we went up there for their wedding in 97 and he had obviously already moved in at that point but we had never met him so we get to her house and he's not there he's at work And, you know, we're just, you know, kind of nervous energy waiting around to meet this new guy that's about to marry my grandmother. Like, it's a big freaking deal. Um, So it's me and my mom and my grandmother. We're in my grandmother's dachshund, which is relevant. Hold on to that. Little long-haired dachshund are at the house. You know, this stranger has moved in. His stuff is in the house. It's kind of weird. And he, his mom had passed away sometime before and he had part of her cremains in a little urn. I mean, it was probably the size of like a can of Coke. I think Um, I remember. I I don't remember, but I think you did tell me, but I don't remember the details. Okay. Well, and he's got, he had 12 siblings. So, you know, there's a lot of his mom to go around. That sounded so (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, he had a little one about the size of a Coke can. So my grandmother had this um, paper towel holder that she had installed on the wall in the kitchen. And it was like wooden, I think, and kind of rickety. And it was one of those where it has like a little shelf on top. And then underneath it, it's got the paper towels. Yeah. So we're there knocking around the house waiting for him to get home from work so we can meet this guy for the first time. Someone, I'd have to ask her, I don't remember who it was. I really think it was my mom. Someone grabs a paper towel and you know how you kind of pull it to the side to tear it off yeah. knocks the urn onto the floor oh yeah we've never met him before his mom is on the floor the urn is in a million pieces the cremains are everywhere it is a literal physical grief blender the dog <laughs> is licking them he's a little long-haired docks and he's got fucking ashes on his little wet nose we are horrified well, yeah and I feel like this is like, like, we don't know this guy from a bar of soap. And I feel like it's like midday, maybe like late morning, early afternoon. I don't know. I mean, it was 97, but it wasn't like five minutes before he got home. We had time to stress about this. So we sweep it up and we sweep up the cremains and we sweep up the shards and we are trying so fucking hard to glue this thing back together fast before he could get there. Did not succeed we ended up calling in a third party, one of my grandmother's best friends. I don't remember if we took it to her, if she came over. Bless her heart, Laverne ends up gluing this thing back together. So then we have this glued together urn with like visible cracks <laughs> and his mom dumped back into it, back on the paper towel thing. And it's like, do we tell him? So then we're just, I mean, we are like at the table, hands folded, waiting Did you tell for this him? man to get home. Well, so he gets home. And, uh, you know, it's like, nice to meet you. We've been gluing your mom all day. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So he gets home and, like, I believe there was a little cup where he put his change in his pockets at the end of the day right next to the fucking urn. So he goes over there and he puts his pennies in the cup and, like, we are holding our breath. (laughs) And he doesn't notice it. And then he, you know, does some other stuff and he goes back and gets a paper towel, doesn't notice it. (laughs) 
<laughs> we're tripping the fuck out. Um, I believe that we did end up caving and confessing. And he was very cool about it. And he is still my grandfather to this day. He lives down the street and we see him all the time. And thankfully, he was not a bad guy. That is fucking bananas. But I'm just telling you, like, you're a whole putting your brother in a different place in the parking lot. You've got babies. Your kids saying bye, Uncle Jacob. Like, that moment will live rent free. <laughs> like, that fucking dog licking cremains off the floor will live rent free in my mind until I am dead. I fucking love it. You know, there's got to be some humor in it. Especially with my brother. If anyone knew my brother, he was the funniest fucking guy in the whole entire world. So, I don't know. It just it felt meant. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a different experience when somebody with, like, a particular sense of humor dies because then you can make really morbid jokes and know that they wouldn't be upset oh yeah for sure for sure yeah that's been the situation with my grandmother like we we have the darkest gallows humor about this around here like the your mom jokes are off the charts since she's been dead you don't even know yeah i mean and it was like my inappropriate shit one of the pallbearers at uh my dad's funeral when he bent over to pick up the casket, his fucking pants ripped <gasps> ass all the way down his leg. Oh, no. And we were like, that's that's dad. That's hilarious. Yeah, that's one of those things where it's like, you know, sometimes when it's your very prim and proper grandma or something, you feel kind of bad. But, like, it's what she would have wanted. Yeah. She, she <laughs> right before she died, um, I had gone over there and said something that... We, we were just sitting on the couch and just kind of apropos of nothing. I was like, listen, if you die and you end up as a zombie, I will keep you if you want. And I will feed you rabbits. And if you are not satisfied with rabbits, I will find bad people to feed you. Like, I I, I got you. I'm your ride or die. Literally, this is like two weeks before she died. And uh, she thought that was hilarious. And then we, you know, we had inside jokes about her eating people for the rest of her time on earth you know i brought her a <laughs> blizzard to take her medicine with and she was like no is this cheesecake or is this is this fingers and <laughs> you oh know? my gosh that's so awesome um, yeah so dead people who would appreciate your dark jokes are a whole thing i think it's we had people around us um that has put us in a position where we can you know do a podcast like this and still right have some humor you know Yes, absolutely. All right. I guess that's enough talking about the dead. Um, (laughs) Should we do some disaster relief? We should. Do you want to go first or do you want me to? Mm, I can go first. I'm really excited about mine. Okay. So I found the coolest fucking purse ever from TikTok. I guess that's just – I am chronically online. Fuck. I'm just – (laughs) self-admitting go touch grass yes i need to go touch grass so the shop is called common deer d-e-a-r and it's a queer women-owned feminist and self-empowerment shop in oklahoma city yeah Yeah, which immediately made me want to support it even more after i saw this bag um i placed an order it showed up in lightning speed so this fucking purse brianne um i got the blue it's blue and pink it's a phone convertible handbag. I'm going to send you a picture because you, you just have to see this. You're going to die. Um, here we go. It's it's like a rotary phone meets the Care Bears. Did you get it? <laughs> um, let's see. That is an oddly apt description. Right? I, I would not have been able to call to mind what the fuck a rotary phone meets Care Bears would look like, but that, that's what. It's so cute. So the phone that's on the handle, it's got like the full cord and every, like everything, uh, like attached to the purse. Let me tell you, I am a fucking sucker for novelty. It fucking works. Shut up. Like, ha- tell me. Okay. okay so the, <laughs> the cord connects to your phone, like you have like your regular phone in a purse. Get- And you plug it in, and when it rings, you unstrap the fucking receiver. You push a button, and you can talk to people on it. Nuh-uh. Yes. Please talk to me on your purse phone. I'm sure it's, like, the same as, like, an earbud type thing, like, when you talk on, like, a headphone. but I don't give a fuck what it is. (laughs) You can talk to me on my purse phone. 
Please talk. Oh, my God. It is. I'm going to call you on your first It is so obnoxious. It is so cute. I just, I'm obsessed with it. I just, it was funny because it came in while Aunt Carolyn was here. And she's like, everyone's calling me. And we're just talking on my purse phone. I don't know why I need a purse phone, but I had to have it. Isn't it the cutest thing ever? It's, it. I can't. It's probably not for you. It's Melody. it's very no, loud. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't think you know me <laughs> as well as you think you do. If you think I don't appreciate very loud, I don't know that it is. I have some things I would wear that with. Actually, now that I think about <laughs> it, and the novelty of a purse phone. I mean, you are imagine it. You're in the middle of Target, and you just answer your motherfucking purse phone. Are you kidding I me? I know, right? It's it's so cool. I love it so much. And the shop, the shop's amazing. So everyone check out Commandeer. Apparently, I saw the I was early to that TikTok because I went to look at it today to like get the name of it in case anybody else wants to be as absurd as I am and get a purse phone. Um, <laughs> apparently, they sold out super fast. So, but it's back on pre pre order. Yeah. Oh my god! But I got one, and it's big, and there's so much room for things. I am obsessed isn't the word. <laughs> I require a video of this in action. Okay, I'll do it. I'll post it in Horrible Ghouls too. Okay. You can, we'll set up a video where you call me like a FaceTime or something. Yeah. So oh they know it works because it's not God. a speakerphone. You're just going to have to make, yeah, that's true. I don't know. I feel like you're going to have to make Cody record this somehow. We'll figure this out. We'll figure it out. All right. What's yours? Okay, so I just changed my mind since we have just talked about this four seconds ago and in terms of what I'm going to do. I was going to talk about the movie Plane, went and saw that the other night. It, to be honest, it was not great, necessarily. <laughs> um, but the first half of it, at least, has a lot of um, plane crash content, if you're into that kind of thing. I kind of low-key collect plane crash movies, so I'm glad I saw it. Honestly, was it that good? Not really, but, you know, it happened. But then I thought, hold on. Hold the fuck on. I know what I'm going to talk about. Uh, so the Midwestern food bracket. Uh-huh. Funeral potatoes one. I'd never fucking tried funeral potatoes. <laughs> Did you eat funeral potatoes? I ate funeral potatoes, and no one even had to die. <gasps> but I told my mother... I will kill someone if I have to, to make more funerals. They're so good. You loved it. You loved it. Oh my God. That was like the best thing I've ever put in my mouth. Oh my gosh. Oh my God. I can't believe you finally tried it. That was like so long ago. Dude, I know. And I couldn't even remember what won the Midwestern food bracket. And I'm like, look, I've never done this before. And I do have regrets with the animal bracket, but I'm going to have to go back and like retroactively change the winner if I didn't pick that. But I just looked, I did pick that. But wow. Wow. I am doubling down on that hard. That was the best thing ever cooked by anyone. I'm so happy that you finally tried it. You're going to be having it all the time. I'm so, I listen, I can't have that all the time. That is that I don't even want to know the nutritional information about oh, that. Oh, it's and, like, bad. That's not something I know. Like that's not something I put a whole lot of concern into. But I don't even want to know. I would not want to know. I don't care. Yep. <laughs> it it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Well, thanks for hanging out with me today on our bitty episode. I loved it. It was so fun. We needed that. Yeah. All right. Well, until next time. Sweet dreams or no dreams. Sweet dreams or no dreams. Hey, Horrible Ghouls. Hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you would like to share your personal MarkSafe moment, you can send it to us at MarkSafePodcast at gmail.com. Please give our podcast a rate, review, and subscribe, and tell your buddies about us too. That goes a long way. If you want to further elevate your support, check out our MarkSafe Patreon page, where we have shoutouts, goodies, and some bonus content in the works. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thanks again, and as always, stay safe.